All right, good morning. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Lord willing, we will finish this chapter out. Let's ask the Lord's help. Father, we pray that you would once again visit us in the ministry of the word. Lord, we trust you. And Father, I realize even as I say those words, Father, oftentimes we say things in prayer and we're not trusting you. And Lord, I pray that we would be doing as we are praying. And I pray we'd be praying that we would be doing. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. Father, help us as your people to not be a people who just utter religious words, pray prayers that sound doctrinally correct. Father, may we live a Christianity that is real, where Christ is at the center of our hearts, Father, that the kingdom of God within us is alive. Lord, we know that if the kingdom of God is in us, it is alive, Father. So, Lord, I pray that we would be lively today, Father. We know that we're not, we're not stillborn. We're born again unto a lively hope. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us, Heavenly Father. We stand in need. I think sometimes in my own life, Father, we just get moving along because we know what to do. <clears throat> sometimes we go through the motions and we don't stop long enough to consider what we're doing or with whom we are doing them before. And so, Father, we want to worship you in a way that it's acceptable to you, Father, in a way that magnifies you and glorifies you. Lord, awake us, O God, to your word today. Awake us to your presence. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Previously in James 2, James taught us about a counterfeit faith, a faith that is not real, a faith that produces no works, doesn't produce anything in the life of the one that has it, kind of like the barren fig tree. It looks like a fig tree, but it never bears any fruit. And so that's, beloved, a message in itself to us. James, in verse 14 of chapter 2, he says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him or can that faith is that saving faith is that how saving faith works in the Christian's life and the answer is no listen we talked to the kids back there about believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and that he was buried and he rose again the third day and asked them the question is that salvation to simply believe that but with no outward change in the life of those that believe it and the answer is a resounding no no beloved the devils believe like that and so James teaches us faith without works is dead being alone yea a man may say I have faith and thou hast works James says show me remember James if he was from the US he'd be from Missouri the show me state he says show me thy faith by thy works He said, you can't show me your faith without your works. 
And so faith is active. It's alive, beloved, and we'll see it in our lives. Now, this morning in our text, James goes a little further to provoke us in our Christianity to be proper reflections of Christ, that light that is in us, that true light. Before this, James, again, taught us, show me your faith by your works. Now James commands us, and we'll be in James 3.13 and following, now James simply commands us, show me your works. Show me your works. But if you look closer in verse 13, there is a how. How you show your works. And you see those little words with the meekness of wisdom. With the meekness of wisdom. If you have the wisdom that is from above, James is teaching us now, that wisdom is only and absolutely adorned with wisdom. It's not arrogant. It doesn't puff itself up. But it's humble. Listen, last week, you remember, James taught us how unbecoming an untamed tongue is. If someone is always shooting off their mouths, in fact, that should never be the case for the child of God. Now, you kind of understand when somebody first comes to Christ, this restraining of the tongue, this maturity of how we speak, the maturity of the Christian life doesn't just automatically happen. It doesn't all just download on you at once. That would be nice, right? God saves you and you're instantly and completely wise and mature. Why? That, that's not how it happens. There's a thing that the scriptures teach of progressive sanctification. And we cultivate the truth, the truths of God's word in our lives. And we cultivate them by faith and by practice, by doing. By doing, by believing, by doing what we believe. And so that's how we grow in grace in our Christian lives. And as we grow and mature, so the only one that can tame this thing is God. So no man can tame the tongue, he says in James in the first, I think, 12 or 13 verses. No man can tame the tongue. It's a little fire. It's a world of iniquity when it's untamed. It hurts people. People shoot out darts. Fire comes out. The tongue is full of poison. The Bible speaks in Romans and in the Psalms, Psalm 52. And so, beloved, listen, your tongue will be one of the greatest revealers or betrayers of what's in your heart. You can say a lot of things about yourself. I can talk about my Christianity, but you know what? My tongue is going to show what I really am. It's going to reveal eventually what's in my heart. I might be able to hide it for a little while, but eventually if... If my, my heart's full of wickedness, the tongue is going to follow suit. It will. And so the tongue is a great revealer of what's in your heart, child of God. <clears throat> and if you have the wisdom that's from above, your tongue is going to also reveal that. So, again, we can say a lot about ourselves by our words and our behavior. But words and behavior will eventually tell the true story of our lives. 3.13, look at it there. If there was a title, I guess I would call it the contrasts of two different wisdoms. Wisdoms with an S. Two different wisdoms. <clears throat> James 3.13, who is a wise man and endued 
with knowledge among you. Basically, what does true wisdom look like is what James is saying here. He says, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. There's that little phrase, meekness of wisdom. Remember, the wisdom that it's from above is absolutely, only and absolutely adorned with meekness. The wisdom that is from above is not arrogant. It's not know-it-all wisdom. It is a gentle, easily entreatable wisdom. It's a learning wisdom. It's a godlike wisdom. James switches tracks in verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, so you see there's the other wisdom. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, or natural, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But, he goes back to the true wisdom, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's then peaceable. I love that. First pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown of peace in them that make peace. And so let's start out with the first wisdom. If you have the wisdom that is from above, the Spirit of God in you, it will be known first by how you speak. Because a wise person is going to speak a certain way. A wise person, it's going to be known by how you speak, but it's also going to be known by how you refrain from speaking. If you're wise from, with that wisdom that's from above, you're going to know when to not say certain things. You're going to know when to say certain things. If you have that wisdom that's from above, it's going to be known by how you live and behave and conduct yourself in the church, in the world, in the grocery store, at work, in traffic. I love that one. You want to see, I mean, I, I notice this more and more and more as I drive. You want to see somebody's heart, watch them in traffic. Now I realize, look, somebody might be rushing to the hospital. So, you might not know the whole situation. But an aggressive driver and they're mean and get out of the way, flashing their lights at you. I'm going 75 in the right lane. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I mean, but, I mean, <laughs> and they come up on you in the right lane and it's like they're going to run you down. I'm, I'm already going five over. So you learn about people by how they drive, but you also learn about people by what they do when they're all alone. Nobody's there. So we learn about ourselves by what we do, what we look at, what we listen to, what we read when we're all alone. So that wisdom from above will affect that. If you have the wisdom that does not come from above, it will be known in the church gathering. Eventually it will. It'll be known by how you live in the world how you speak in the world, how you conduct yourself in the world, in traffic, and when you're all alone. And when you're all alone. So James says, so these are the two wisdoms. 
There's world-like wisdom, natural wisdom. You know, we don't often think about that, but there's wisdom in the world. It's just bad. And listen, you got to be careful as a Christian on getting around and learning the wisdom of the world. The Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners. In other words, you stay around bad company, you're going to learn some of those things. And you got to be careful. So evil communications corrupt good manners. So who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? You notice there's two things, wisdom and knowledge. He says, let him show out of a good conversation and then remember the how. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Listen, if you're a child of God, you should desire meekness and humility in your life because that's, that, would, that characterizes the spirit of God in you and, that, and we should desire that. Sometimes I think that the meekest and most humble people that are Christians are the ones that confess that they're proud. Now get what I mean there. If someone comes up to you and tells you, I am meek and humble, I would tell them, nah. I mean, maybe I wouldn't say that, but I wouldn't say nah. But the one that really is maybe maturing in meekness and humility is the one that says, I really struggle with pride. I really struggle with pride. Because you're aware of that sin that would beset you. So you say, I struggle with that. So every one of us, beloved, need to consider. Look at Proverbs 1. Let me show you this. Go to Proverbs 1. Let me just move on to the passages here. Because we're talking about Someone who has the wisdom that's from above. Proverbs chapter 1. And remember, the wisdom that's from above doesn't just download like you're downloading something and the computer gets it all at once. It's got to be cultivated. Listen, you must be a spiritual Seeker, You must be a diligent seeker. You must be a spiritual miner. You know what a miner is? They mine for gold. If you want the wisdom that's from God, you got to mine for it. you got to dig for it. you got to search for it. In fact, Solomon says, you have to find it. You have to find it. Now, God gives you the hard drive, if you will. He puts a new heart in you. God gives you his spirit. But now it's up to you to cultivate that wisdom that is from above. Look at verse 5, chapter 1. A wise man, and here's how it starts, a wise man or woman will hear, literally means will learn. They'll increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Now look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Remember, we we're talking about who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you. Now, first thing to know that knowledge in the scriptures is essential. It's essential. But be careful, it could work against you. Knowledge, you say, how would knowledge work against me? I'll get to it in a moment. But look, verse 1, Proverbs 2. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou notice, incline thine ear unto wisdom. So you see, there's, an, there's, there's a deliberate inclination. 
and thou apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler or a shield to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and yea, every good path. Now look at verse 13 of chapter 3. So you must incline your heart Beloved, if you would be wise, and listen, if you're a child of God today, you should desire to be wise in the word of God. You know, wisdom, you might think, oh, it's a boring word. Wisdom. But beloved, chapter 313, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. You see that in verse 13? Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. The man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it, merchandise of what? Of wisdom. It's better than the gain of, better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace or peace. Listen, Christian, if you would be wise, you need to find wisdom. You need to go find it. You need to find it for yourself. And you need to seek and cry out after that wisdom in your life. You need to incline your ear, apply your heart, and cry out for it from the Word. Listen, it's a shame, but it's true. It would, it's a shame that any Christian would also be unwise. You say, is it possible? Probably so. You might have been made wise unto salvation where you are to continually be being made wise in the Holy Scriptures. Your life is to be a reflection of that true light. And for that, you need to grow in grace. You need to be a spiritual miner. You need to be a seeker after the knowledge of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So first, if you would have the wisdom that's from above, you must know your Bible. Biblical knowledge is essential. Remember we talked about knowledge? It might work against you. Well, here's where it might work against you. Be careful because you can be filled with biblical knowledge and yet have no wisdom from God. You can know a lot but be completely unwise. You just have like a student's textbook knowledge. Basically, empty truth. It does nothing for you. But if you're wise in the Holy Scriptures, brethren, you live the truth that you know. It comes out in your life. I can preach about having the meekness of wisdom all day long. If I go out there and I'm pompous and arrogant, you can say he has no wisdom. He doesn't have biblical wisdom. And so, beloved, that's what we should and must desire, that that wisdom of Christ would come out 
in our lives. So it's possible to have, to be replete, to be full of biblical knowledge, but have no wisdom. And the reason is because we don't practice what we preach or believe. And I don't, listen, if you're a Christian, you don't want that. You want to live Christ in the world. You want that wisdom to come out in your life. You want to be like the Proverbs 15, one man, if somebody yells at you, you want to live out a soft answer, turneth away wrath. You want to be wise and you want to live those precepts in your life. You want to love your neighbor as yourself. You don't want to just say, yeah, I believe that and I love that. But then when somebody's hurt and you go around on the other side. Remember, the Samaritan was the only one. So, beloved, you want the wisdom of God to come out in your life. Knowledge puffs up. We need to be careful with it. But James teaches us, teaches us, who is it among you, children of God, who not only knows the truth of God's word, but he walks by that knowledge. He practices what he knows and behaves, and he adorns the doctrine of God. Titus says that. We are to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. We're to be epistles of Christ, known and read of all men. Your life, my life, is to be like a book. They are to be able to read you and see the gospel in you without you ever uttering a word. So that wisdom should come out of us in our lives, beloved. Listen, many are able to talk about doctrine and, and to, I like the word, pontificate. They can talk about things. They can talk about all they know. And listen, you should be able to talk about what you know in the scriptures. You should be able to express the truths of God and tell people about Christ. But if you never obey and practice what you know to be true from the word, you are not wise. See, wisdom is when that truth has been interwoven into your heart and life and you adorn the doctrine which you know and believe. We are to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. I think that passage is in Titus chapter 3. And listen, this is one of the essentials. This is how you know if the wisdom is authentic. It's the how, the meekness of wisdom. This wisdom that is from above shows itself by meekness, by meekness. It doesn't have to have the center stage. Listen, and it says, let us show our works by meekness of wisdom. So this wisdom shows itself in meekness and it's like saying it shows itself by not intending to show itself. You understand that? Meekness doesn't have to be seen. Meekness doesn't need a stage. The meekness of wisdom is simply going to live for Christ no matter who's watching or if nobody's watching. That's the how. That's the how. Listen, when God saved you from your sins, if you're a Christian today, when, when God saved you from your sins, he gave you what you needed in the spirit of God to cultivate and to build upon that initial meekness that is the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, meekness. And so the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and if the Spirit of God is in you, then I realize 
It might be a little bit rough form in you because now you must cultivate that meekness. Now you must see and you must say, Lord, if that's what I should be, then you need to seek the Lord by prayer that that's what you will be. That's what you will be. And as you grow in grace and that meekness is cultivated in your life by the word and by prayer and by practice, remember, practice shows that you, you're doing what you know and believe. And so remember, you have that fruit of the Spirit. But when, so, when someone's born again, all of those fruit of the Holy Spirit, they're not instantly downloaded where you have them in complete maturity. You must cultivate those truths in yourself. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, we, we just looked at that truth that we are to have uh, that, that fruit is to be in us if we're born again, if we have the Spirit of God. If, listen, if you have the Spirit of God, then, then it must be in you. And so if it must be in you, and listen, I believe that's how you need to commune with God. Lord, if it must be in me, I want it. And beloved, that's when you believe the Word and, and you, you live the Word and you seek after God in the Word and then you go out and practice it in the world. That's probably the most difficult part. You go practice it in the world. Ephesians 4, Paul said, I, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy, means answerable to the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy of your calling. And what's the calling here? Is a Christian. Walk worthy of your calling. If you call yourself a Christian, then you should want to walk worthy of that. You want to have a life, a behavior, a conduct that's answerable to your profession. I mean, listen, it ought to embarrass us when we walk in a way that is not answerable to our profession. If we walk in a way that really, it betrays us as maybe not having that profession. We don't want that. We know that those things happen. But Paul goes on. He says how to walk with all lowliness and meekness. With all lowliness and and meekness and beloved that's what we should desire Colossians 3.12 put on therefore as the elect of God so here's the adornment of that meekness you should want to put it on put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved bowels of mercies kindness humbleness of mind meekness meekness listen these are times when I'm just trying to share some of my own experience when I'm not when I'm struggling with meekness and I feel pride coming up and I got a bad attitude and I cry out to the Lord, not all the time too, and I should. And I say, Lord, I'm not thinking right. I'm thinking wrong. I'm not representing Christ in my life. Lord, I want to be meek, but I'm not right now. I'm struggling with this, Lord. Please help me. It's like I want to go crawl into a quiet place until I can get myself out of this foul mood. I don't want anybody to see me like that. And so, beloved, we should desire that. That's part of getting that, that meekness and having that meekness of wisdom. Now, in verses 14 to 16, this doesn't need a whole lot of exposition. James pauses for a moment and teaches us about the other wisdom. That lower wisdom, that more common wisdom of the world. Look at it in James 314, you see there, he says, if you have bitter envying and strife 
in your hearts. Don't rejoice over that. And look, that's a problem if you do. Listen, if we take pride in our wrath on that we're bitter and mad, how, represent, how reprehensible that Christians would fight among themselves. Paul even said to the Galatians, if you have bitter, he says, if you bite and devour one another, you're going to be consumed one of another. And so, beloved, <clears throat> this needs not a lot of exposition. You know it when you see it and hear it. You know how it looks. And listen, every, it's, that bitter envying, it's like, a, it's like a sinful zeal. You and I should have a zeal, a holy zeal, after the things of God. But what James describes here is a zeal that is venomous. It's bitter, it's hateful, and it's rotten with envy. Rotten with envy. Bitter envying. Sometimes people just don't like others just because they just don't like them. And listen, beloved, we have to put these things off. You look at the doctrine of mortification and you see when Paul says you need to put these things off because they'll destroy you. They'll destroy the church. They'll destroy your profession. Kill them. Put them off. Cut the head off like a venomous snake. Listen, you remember the worst example of bitter envy and strife in all of the word of God really in, in all of the history of humanity was from religious men against the Lord Jesus Christ they hated him with malice and they called for his death James is saying man put this stuff off if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. He says, this wisdom does not descend from above. Listen, it's one thing to find yourself in an ill humor, in a bad moment, but you got to get yourself out of that. You got to go and run to your prayer closet. You got to run to a private place and you need to get yourself before the throne of grace and ask God to help you. But if you stay there, if you stay there, listen, the Bible says anger, bitterness rests in the bosom of fools. It stays there. It simmers. Remember Randy said it's like you become a slow cooker and it just festers in you. Beloved, we need to be able to, listen, we ought to have the spiritual perception, the wisdom that is from above to perceive when that is happening in us. And we have, to, we have to practice the wisdom of mortifying that wicked sin. In fact, Paul said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that's angry shouting. It actually means shouting. What a terrible thing to see Christians shouting at one another. What a terrible thing. It happens. So let all those things, bitter wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Let malice be put away from you. Paul, you're talking to Christians here. Oh yeah, he knew. Listen, we don't ever think that you're free and clear of all those things. You need, beloved, you need to keep the spiritual pickaxe out 
You need to keep yourself in the word. You need to keep yourself in prayer in an awareness that these things can overtake you. And you need to practice the wisdom that's from above. But now back to James 3.17. We'll kind of close this out. <clears throat> James now brings us back to that pure and peaceable and gentle wisdom. Verses 3.18 and 19. Look at it there. He says, but the wisdom that is from above. Is, and listen, we, we, I love this passage. I go to it often. This is what we should go to. And you should say, Lord, this is what I want. I want this wisdom. In verse 5, you remember James says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not, it shall be given him. So, Lord, help me to have this wisdom. That wisdom in context is for the trials of your life. But beloved, we need wisdom for every aspect of our lives. He says, this is the wisdom that is from above. And the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights. Go to the one that's going to give you the right wisdom, beloved. Go to the Father. And so James says, my brethren, happy is the man or woman Remember that finds this heavenly wisdom. And listen, know this about wisdom. Once you find it, you have to keep it. Once you find it, you have to keep it. You have to keep this wisdom. Now, listen, this ugly wisdom, James even goes on. and Look right there in chapter 4 and verse 1. He, he says this in the beginning. He says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not even of your lusts that war in your members? So he's, he's talking to believers here. And so what a terrible thing. Look, and look, we know that the world's wisdom, we know what it looks like. It's ugly, it's infectious, it's full of bitter turmoil and confusion. And that's what we see there in chapter 4. But listen, James already taught us that the wisdom that is from above is adorned by meekness in you. It's adorned by meekness in you. That's how it shows itself. So don't forget, it shows itself by not intending to show itself. It's, it's what we should live in our lives. Listen, there's no pride associated with godly, godlike, Christ-like wisdom. So this wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's first pure, and then it's peaceable. Remember the sixth and seventh Beatitudes? The sixth and seventh Beatitudes. Listen, the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, I would encourage you, I would implore you, I compel you to memorize them. Because those are the characteristics, the excellent qualities and virtues that should come forth from your life if you're a Christian. They should come forth from you. The sixth and seventh Beatitudes are blessed are the pure in heart. The seventh, blessed are the peacemakers. And so the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable. Listen, evidences that the kingdom of Christ is within you. Next, you should be gentle. You should be gentle. Your Christianity, your Christianity should not be aggressive. It should not be imposing, but it should be gentle. The wisdom that is from above should make you able to rule and restrain yourself and your passions. You're gentle. You're not a quick reactor, but you're able to rule your own passions. As Colossians says, the peace of Christ rules or governs your heart. And that's, 
beloved, how we should be. That, that wisdom that's from above is pure. It's peaceable. It, it, it ensues for peace. It pursues peace. It doesn't pursue war. It doesn't pursue fighting and contention. It's peaceful. It's pure. It's peaceful. It's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. That easy to be entreated, you know what that means? It means it's always ready to listen and learn. Wisdom. The wisest among us will be those that are willing to listen to anyone, no matter what, to listen, to give them ear, to give them respect, to give them the dignity of hearing what they have to say, of not talking over them. So it's easy to be entreated. It's full of good mercies and good fruits. The wisdom that's from above is kind. It's compassionate toward others. And then it's never biased. It's not prejudiced because of what we see on the outside. It always loves its neighbor as it loves itself. And beloved, the wisdom that is from above, if it's in us, that's what it will look like. Listen, this wisdom, these beatitudes are not just going to happen in you. When you look at this wisdom that's from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated. It means listen or willing to yield. It's full of good mercy, compassion, good fruits. It's not partial and it's not a hypocrite. And listen, you need to be able to read the word of God and Diagnose yourself. Because, listen, I, God's speaking to you. God's speaking to you when you read these passages. And you got to be able to say, Lord, you got to be honest with yourself and with the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, that's not me. That's the start of gaining and finding that wisdom that's from above. If we just ignore it and we pass over it and we just say, I'm just going to be who I'm going to be, guess what? You're not going to be wise. And listen, being wise with the meekness of wisdom is not about others talking about us and propping us up and telling us that we're wise. It's simply about us knowing God more, loving Christ more, and being able to show his wisdom in the world more, beloved. So that's what we should desire. Listen, each of us as Christians are to be striving and zealous to get this wisdom. To get this, I pray that you would. And then finally, the last verse, he says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Sown, you know what sown is? It's like throwing seeds out, like broadcasting seeds, it's like planting. And so listen, know this, and hope this thought will kind of stay with you, Christian, because it's... It's probably true that those that are closest to you in your life, they know that you're a Christian. They've heard you say that you're a Christian. So what seeds of righteousness are you planting around them? What seeds of righteousness are you planting in their minds? The words of the wise, Ecclesiastes says, are like goads. They're like nails fastened. Are your words fastening to those around you? Good words, edifying words, words that they remember, words that point them to Christ, the fruit of righteousness, that if you have that righteousness that is of Christ in you, then your life is, 
You're like a farmer. You're, you're casting out good seed. You're casting out that good seed from your life. And people are taking note. And I love the way God does things because we don't know oftentimes what people are noting. It's so convicting if somebody sees us and we're not sowing good seed and we're of an ill humor. So he says we sow it in peace, not in strife and in contention, beloved. Listen, God intends to use the good seed of the gospel. And you know what? He intends to use you. God intends to use his servants. It, it's very humbling to consider that the God of heaven, the eternal first being, the high and lofty one which inhabits eternity that doesn't need me at all, would stoop to use you and me to broadcast the good seed of the word, to give you that privilege of sowing that good seed. And beloved, if you're going to do that, you know how it's going to be? The meekness of wisdom. It's going to come forth. That's how it's going to come forth. That meekness of wisdom. Listen, there's nothing wrong with the seed. A bad guy can throw out good seed. It's much better if someone who's meek and wise throws out the good seed. They're more likely, perhaps, to listen to it. So God intends to use the good seed of the gospel and amazingly coming from yours and my life. Christian, to bring forth life and righteousness in the souls of lost sinners, those around you. God also intends to use the good seed of his word from your life to provoke other Christians. That you might be a spiritual mentor. You might think me a spiritual mentor? Absolutely, yes. Yes, to use your life, to use your words, to use your conduct and behavior. I fail to say this in thir verse 13. Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of his conversations, not talking about talking. Conversation is conduct. Let him show out of his behavior, his works with meekness of wisdom. It could be conversation, but it more appropriately, and as the definition of the word means, conduct, how you conduct yourself in the world. So, beloved, listen, God intends to use you. He intends to use you. You need to know that. You need to believe that. And you need to be good stewards of the mysteries of faith that he's given you. Because what you know is to others out there a mystery. They don't know it. You, you can unlock that mystery for them. You can tell them about the Christ who died on the cross for sinners, was buried and rose again the third day. Well, they don't believe it. So what? It's the good seed. Throw the good seed out there. Don't throw bad seed. Finally, don't forget how this wisdom must come forth from your life in meekness. So, finally, what wisdom do you have? Remember, there's two wisdoms. One is a lower wisdom. It's full of bitter envying, contention, strife, confusion. I pray that you don't have that one. Listen, I understand we have bad days. But if you're in Christ, that should never be you consistently. If you find yourself in that ill humor, child of God, run to a safe place, a quiet place, and repent of that. Turn from your sin. Ask God to forgive you. And if you've offended somebody out in the world, go back out there and apologize to them. 
I should have never said that. I should have never acted like that. Beloved, that will show forth that meekness of wisdom more than just continuing in your ill humor. So what wisdom do you have? The wisdom that is from above or the wisdom that is from the world? If you're not a Christian today, Paul told Timothy, he says, you were made wise unto salvation. Your grandmother and your mother told you about Christ. And so if you're lost today, the first wisdom that you need is that wisdom that is revering God and believing his word and turning from your sins to Christ. That's what you need if you're lost. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where it all starts. And Paul told Timothy, Thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's where it all starts, beloved. And so now, if you're lost, believe Christ today. You know, you, you think the lost, the lost, they're, they're wise in the world and they may be wise with things like engineering and medicine and things like that. And for all that wisdom, yeah, that's good wisdom. I'm getting ready to go under the care of a doctor. He's going to put me to sleep. So I have to trust his professional wisdom. But beloved, he may be the greatest doctor in the world and know not Christ. He has not the wisdom that comes from above. I thank the Lord that he'll use him to fix me. I pray that God would help me to use my wisdom to fix him, to help him. Beloved, God's given us that. He's given us that. Let us have that meekness of wisdom. Oh God, help us. Listen, a lot of this, when you read this passage, you read it, this is one of those times in my life when I read this and it's like God stops you right there and he encircles you with this passage in the word of God and you realize how helpless you are to do anything about this or to live this without his grace and his help. But here's the amazing thing. God will help you to be this man or this woman, this wise one for his own glory and honor, beloved. I pray that it be so for every one of you. To the lost, believe Christ today. Believe Christ today. And then it will be said of you, you were made wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I pray that be the case today. Amen. Let's dismiss. Father, thank you, oh God, for your wisdom. Thank you for even helping me understand your word just a little bit, Father. Help, thank you for helping us to, to know the mystery of godliness, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, to be able to understand these things and tell others, Father, to, to be able to live in the world, to be much lesser lights of that greater true light, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you so much for saving us. Thank you so much for making us who we are, and I pray that who we are in our lives, O oh God, would be true to your word. Father, I pray we would live the, the truth that we know. Help us to adorn ourselves with the doctrine of God. O oh God, please help us. Father, we need your help, Lord. It's an urgent cry, Father, for myself, for these 
thy dear people. It's an urgent cry for the lost, O God. To walk away from the gospel is truly to be unwise. O God, may they, Father, look to the, to the, the wonderful gospel message that they might be saved from their sins. Help us, Father. Help us in all these things. Bless your people, fathers. We fellowship. I thank you for the, the wonderful meal that the saints have brought. I pray that you would bless the time and the fellowship and that you would receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.